This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is your Sunday 80 Films Italian Collection series of reviews. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on this episode we're looking at disc number 69 in the Italian Collection. This one is Mario Bava's Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Very excited to do this one. Uh, this one was a limited edition series that 88 Films put out. I believe if memory serves, they do circle back and do kind of more traditional standard releases of these titles. But I also do believe that you can still purchase one of these limited edition series ones. And when we get to the content on the package, you might see why you want to pick up one. But that's what we're doing after the first break. Before we get to that, though, let's catch up with where we are under the stairs. This is the final episode of the week. Now, originally advertised, we were dropping the next instalment of Bazzi's Backdoor Cinema. We're going to be doing it on Saturday. I have delayed it to Monday because next week is going to be kind of weird. It's going to be all over the place. Lots of moving parts, lots of things happening. So it made more sense to slot it in on a Monday and kick off your week in fashion with the Baz, no less, chatting about his experiences watching the new Alex Garland movie, Men. So you'll be getting that episode on the Monday. On the Thursday, a little bonus content for all y'all out there. And then that is all you're getting from podcasts under the stairs next week. You will not be getting anything on the Tea Putts Collective next week. Uh, out with Monday, which will be dropping the Where to Begin With episode, uh, which is scheduled. So yeah, that's all kind of all the pieces moving together in unison. In a way that makes me happy. So yeah, there we go. So that's that lineup, and I think that's us all caught up. I think sounds about right. Don't think I'm missing anything. Can you think of anything I'm forgetting? And if you can think of it, then why can't I? It's a good question. Think about it. Ponder it. Ladies and gents, we're going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear the trailer for Hatchet for the Honeymoon. It is this number 69 in the Italian collection. When we return, we're discussing that movie right after this. Hello, this is the Doom Show. Keep on keeping on and keep on trucking, America. We don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any. (laughs) The truth hurts. I just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback. Sorry, guys. That's gotta go. (laughs) That's gotta go in there. So on the show, uh, we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies. Sometimes we even talk about Cameron Mitchell and his movies. I am Richard. Who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard or Jeffrey or Simon. 
That's right, we have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north. Simon lives across the world. Richard lives in Penis, Alabama. Hello, This is the Doom Show is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. Check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com. You can check out more Hello, This is the Doom Show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com. Check for our Amazon exclusive Hello, This is the Doom Show cookbook. Do you like hot dogs? (laughs) We got them. Do you like mac and cheese? We got it. Do you like cheddar? We have it. Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you because you never gave up on us. Wow. Welcome back, ladies and gents. So you've just heard the trailer for Hatchet for The Honeymoon. This is disc number 69 in the Italian collection from 88 Films. The blurb on their website reads as thus. From director Mario Bava, the godfather of Italian horror, comes Hatchet for The Honeymoon, a superlative early 1970s slasher which places us with the erstwhile filmmaker back in the realm of the Jolly feature, a cinematic subgenre he practically invented. With echoes of Psycho from 1960 and Peeping Tom from 1960, this unsettling production sees troubled protagonist 
John Harrington, played by Stephen Forsyth, turning into a real-life serial killer. Refused a divorce by his uncaring wife and haunted by childhood trauma, John takes out his murderous frustration on a string of would-be brides who innocently cross his path. Undoubtedly an influence on later movies like Maniac from 1980 and a host of other chillers, this often overlooked piece of one of Europe's finest is a smart, beautifully styled, gory delight. The particular limited edition version is limited to 3,000 units only and includes a rigid slipcase with new artwork from Colin Murdoch as a 40-page perfect bound book featuring Don't Stain the Staircase by Barry Forshaw and Un-American Psycho on the trail of the European movie Maniac by Andrew Graves, also contains an E3 fold-out poster. It is a remastered HD transfer from the 35mm Internegative with additional cleanup performed by 88 Films. It's a high definition 1080p presentation at 185.1 aspect ratio that contains a 2.0 dual mono DTS HD master audio from the English soundtrack. Has an audio commentary by Jallo Cinema expert Troy Haworth and Nathaniel Thompson. It has Meet the Bavas, an interview with renowned director Lamberto Bava. Working with the master, an interview with the assistant cameraman G. Lorenzo Baglitali. It has the English trailer and a reversible sleeve with classic poster artwork. The technical specs on this are it's region locked region B. The audio is DTS HD ME mono. Picture, like we mentioned before, is 1080p HD 1851. The runtime is 1 hour and 28 minutes approx. And language and subtitles both English. Um. Where to where to start with this one? Um so this is like if you sat down and did a list of Bava movies, if you were doing your your, your heavy hitters in the Barrio uh, the, the kind of Mario Bava lineup, Hatchet for the Honeymoon might not exist on that heavy hitter list to the the film layman, so to speak. That's to say this isn't at the same time though a deep cut, because it isn't. Uh this is a name that's bandied around quite a lot, so chances are you may have even heard of this movie. It somehow, for some weird reason, seems to be conflated, and I am being guilty of this myself, with Five Dolls for an August Moon. Uh, I think it's because they come out within spitting distance of each other, and they are essentially latter-day Jally by Bava, who by 1970 had kind of washed his hands of it. Um, this movie certainly is more in line with the, the kind of slasher side of things, even to an extent the more thrillery side of things, than it is necessarily a giallo, in that you know who the killer is relatively early on, and it's the killer narrates part of this movie um, as well. So, you know, there's like I'm not spoiling anything here. That's, that's the way things are, ladies and gents. Um, it's probably more noted for all the drama behind the scenes than it is necessarily for all the, the, the graph that you actually see in the final version. The plot synopsis for the movie seemed to change as and when it was being filmed. Um, apparently there was quite a bit of toing and froing between the cast and crews as well. Uh, location issues about, you know, uh, just in general for the, the, the production caused some some stuff to go awry. Um, the film infamously ran out of money, uh, so it was kind of put on hold for a while, and then when it was completed, it took a bit of time to shift. 
So you could say, in theory, this movie, for the most part, exists in a bubble where it was being made um, at the time, like in the late 60s, and didn't make its way to 1970. And at that point, Argento is about to kind of reform and recontextualize what a giallo is, make it very, very popular. And there's something about this particular movie which feels like this is Bava almost starting to starting to see the writing on the wall for his contribution to that subgenre and not want to be pigeonholed is already starting to move things into a realm that we would, you know kind of more notably look at as a slasher so like I say it's not it's not your your stereotypical slasher as we would recognize at the same time it's not necessarily uh, a giallo as we would call them either it kind of sits somewhere in between the lot um I, I mean it, it seems to be a movie that didn't set the world on fire um we should also say Bava's films didn't necessarily set the international world on fire. He's a director who really sadly didn't get any of the notoriety or any of the pomp and circumstance that the guy should have deserved in life until he was dead. All this acclaim that we now see as people saying, you know, he's the he's the master of Italian horror. That all came posthumously. When people kind of refund his catalogue of work through re-releases, obscure VHS rips, and now the, the kind of Blu-ray market with the boutique labels releasing these titles um, in a value which brings out the best of the filmmaker's ability. So, didn't really do much. It's one of my personal faves from the, from the maestro, if I'm honest, mostly because it's totally absurd. Um, it once again kind of sees him go back to the world of fashion like he'd done in Blood and Black Lace. Um, it's, it has a lot of dry wit and humour, and it's very, very silly in parts, which, to be honest, I know some people might not pick up on this, but that's Bava. Bava had a wicked sense of humour and it's through his films and it's always been through his films. You only have to see the end of Bay of Blood, for example, to kind of see the humour in the last shot there or watch a movie like um, Black Sabbath, for example, where you will sit down and see, and, and the Italian version anyway, the kind of the credits of that one being very tongue-in-cheek and very kind of, very knowingly a filmmaker reveling in his ability to create scare and terror but also understanding the th cathartic nature of that and how it can after a scare bring a bit of levity how many times have you been scared or you know terrified and then laughed off afterwards as that kind of release the tension comes out and, and Bava was full of that and this movie's full of it as well and most of that comes down to Stephen Forsyth's you know, portrayal here of the, the character John Harrington, who's absolutely brilliant. Um, Laura Betty, who plays the wife in this one, um, Mildred Harrington, is a really difficult woman to get on with from John's vision. And he, 
I mean, he understands it's a loveless marriage, he's not happy. She also understands it's a loveless marriage, but seems committed to making this guy's life a misery. That's not to say that this guy is he saint by any stretch of the imagination. He totally isn't. And uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> he essentially um, is desperately trying to get a divorce which she will not grant him. And as a result of this, it looks like John's being propped up. Like, he's living... This is actually like a story... I don't know why my voice went as high-pitched and squeaky as that, but this is like a story that will work its way through quite a lot of movies that you will see kind of post this. I believe it was probably a trait before this, but the the man being driven to terrible things because, he, you know, he's uh, he doesn't hold the money. It's his wife that holds the money and he's trying to find a way out. And if only he can get rid of his wife, then maybe he could be happy. And, um... Yeah, it's, there's a bit of the kind of telltale heart in this movie, a bit of Edgar Allan Poe, certainly a bit of uh, kind of Agatha Christie in here, a little bit of Peeping Tom Bolt show. But yeah, he, he tries to kill off Mildred, um, and like everything from that point just kind of goes awry. In between all that, he is kind of me constantly meeting these. Um, very attractive models for his fashion business and then ultimately doing a bit of a maniac on them if you know what I mean um the movie is is beautifully shot it's a bava movie so you can't see anything negative about the cinematography uh, I think the script is fun even though you can see the bits that appear to be tagged on you know they're not necessarily in a way that kind of necessarily makes sense overall um, you also get like a like there's a because of the industry it's involved in you do get a bit of that blood and black lace and a bit of that maniac movies that are almost all separated by a decade from one to the other and then the other to that which is kind of fun when you sit down and see that it's still a trope that we're going back to in different ways and shapes and forms um like the the kind of slow break in sanity of a character who was already insane in John Harrington. It's why you watch this movie. Um, his his kind of back and forth with Inspector Russell, played by Jesus Puente. Um, this being, I think, this was possibly a kind of an Italian Spanish co-production, if memory serves. And when you get when you get those interactions, it's a lot of fun. It's not that far away from Arbogast having to deal with Norman Bates. It's that kind of back and forth tete-a-tete that makes some of the best kind of murder mysteries a lot of fun. But once again, we're getting it from the killer's perspective. Like, that he has what he believes in an almost American Psycho sort of way with the whole Paul Allen situation that he's convinced he's killed off his wife, yet is she still here? There still seems to be a presence that she's still here. What's actually going on? He's an unreliable narrator and an unreliable witness for the viewer to work its way through um i also really enjoy this that you get a lot of kind of the backstory a lot of filling in the blanks but this isn't one of these ones where at the end we get the entire breakdown a la psycho or bird with the crystal plumage actually bava saves us a bit of that we were getting the full psychological breakdown of why john did what he did because i don't want that in a movie like this on top of that, you have, like I said before, amazing cinematography done by the great man himself. So, Bava is directing this. He is behind the camera, so you can tell the shots are fucking gorgeous. 
Um, I, I love those aspects, but you really, really get an idea of... You really get an idea how talented Bava was. Um, because I'd like you get... If you look at someone like Argento, for example, I don't know why I'm going into the weeds on this, but indulge me for a second. If you look at Argento, Argento is a great director. He's great for uh, com composing where the camera's going to go, but he's not shooting the movie. Uh, Bava is doing this as well, as well as all the effects that he brings to it with the touch and lighting uh, and art. Um, you know, he's he's behind that as well, which is kind of amazing. You know, it just, once again, from my perspective, gives you a clean view of how great this guy actually was. You're just like operating on a completely different level to everyone else, which that's what we want. We want we want our directors to be incredible. We want our directors to be, you know, these auteurs, so to speak. Like when, when they reach a certain level, if you're going to call someone the master of something, what is it they're a master of? Directing people in a movie or, you know, the more involved behind? When we think of people like Tarantino, for example, Tarantino's worked out the music, he's worked out, you know, he's almost storyboarded things in his head fully with a script, you know, and then he's directing it on top of that. That's what makes him an auteur. What makes Bava an auteur is he came from a cinematography background and also lighting and art design. And then he just so happened to be a really fucking good director who could take stories and kind of translate them really, really well on the screen. Even a lesser story comes across as credible in the hands of Mario Bava. It's, it's one of the reasons his name stands up. It's one of the reasons I love him. It's one of the reasons in the 80s so many American directors were kind of copying his moves or referencing him specifically as he influence on their work. And that's kind of why I think that a movie like Hatchet for the Honeymoon, even with all its flaws, all the issues we mentioned at the start, and all it does it hold together, it's a fucking a fun romp. It's got a lot of kind of, at times kind of campy, at other times very ostentatious sense of humour and design and execution. And its runtime is relatively short and it does fly in. And I love the back and forth. Like I say, Inspector Russell... And John Harrington is a great back and forth. When you see how much um, of a pain in the testicle uh, Laura Betty is with Stephen Forsyth on screen, it works for me. I love it. It's awkward and it's, it's kind of great. Last thing to mention is the score is awesome on this one. Santa Maria Roman Romantelli, I think is how you pronounce his name, uh, delivers a great score, not amongst the, the, the greatest that Bava had to use, it's not a, a Morricone score by any stretch of the imagination, but it works really, really well, it holds the movie together, it doesn't overpower anything, it just, it works, it works really well. So yeah, I think this movie is fucking great. I think this version of the movie is fucking great. Um, 18 films really have done a, a bang-up job in the restoration work they've done here. It looks beautiful. Once again, it helps that they're restoring like Bava's eye on screen. All Bava's movies look fucking great, even like 60 years after their, their, you know, their, their, uh, the, the camera was turned off. They still look incredible, and you get that here. Uh, special features, maybe not as packed as you would imagine uh, for a special release of this, but the I had the, the audio commentary on and off in certain sections. It's always great to hear Nathaniel Thompson and Troy Holworth talk. Um, they've got great 
uh, chemistry and they know their shit so you're in safe hands there but the the interview with Lumberto Bava son of Mario Bava it's kind of awesome I've got a soft spot for Lumberto and even um, G. Lorenzo Baglatali uh, he he delivers a, a, a just great trivia just great like insight into what it was like working for the great man back in the day uh, Hatchet for the Honeymoon for me scores really high I love this movie uh, not to the point that I'm going to give it a 5 because that's reserved in the Bava catalogue for the, the, the truly greats but it's not far off it. it's spitting distance at a 4.5 I watch this movie like easily 2-3 times a year and I wouldn't ever get sick of it even though it's not a perfect movie and at, at times you can very visibly see the fault lines it's still hugely entertaining very well executed really well acted and a, a, a big ball of of darkly comedic fun. So yeah, 4.55 for Hatchet for the Honeymoon. I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out this show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been your 88 films italian collection series of reviews looking at this number 69 hatchet for the honeymoon now ladies and gents we are um two movies away from being fully caught up with the series as a current released slate there are two movies left 70 and i want to say 71 i don't think it jumps a number um, number 70 being the next movie that we will cover, which is Zedder, a.k.a. Revenge of the Dead. That's the movie we'll be doing in three weeks' time. Now, assuming, and this is a little assumption, and we know how we love assumptions in the podcast world, they're just primed for you to be completely wrong, be called out on how wrong you are, and then you have to deal with it. Um, assuming the next one, 71, is the final one in the current running pattern. I believe they have announced more, but there's just no kind of like pre-order dates on them yet, I believe. Once again, could be totally wrong. But what we'll do is after we have officially done 71, if there is no 72 on the immediate horizon, i.e. within the next couple of weeks of that, then we'll be putting a pin in the Italian collection series until such times as more titles are released, so it'll be going on hiatus. Um, as you know, we've done the same with the Slasher Classics collection, and um, that it's kind of finished up, and we still don't actually know if they're doing anymore. It's been a while since that last one, and they've not announced anymore. I think that series is probably concluded and put to bed. So we will just do it kind of ad hoc, as in when a new title is released, in the Italian Collection series, which means we'll be dropping our Sunday episodes down to one every three weeks, which will be our Arrow video assortment, one every three weeks, and the other two weeks, your Sunday is free, free, free. That's right, free at last, ladies and gents, free at last. Um, but let's give you some information on Zedder. So this is disc number 70 in the collection from Italian director Pupi Avati, who did The House with Laughing Windows, which is a fucking incredible movie. Zedder combines the aesthetics and atmospherics of the giallo feature with those of a zombie movie in a slickly presented horror thriller. 
When Stefano, a young novelist, is given a vintage typewriter as a birthday present, he discovers that the machine's ribbons contain the writings of a scientist proposing the existence of key zones, places where the dead can actually rise from their graves. Stylish, creepy and downright chilling, Zedder is the perfect movie for lovers of 80s Italian exploitation. This one is a limited release as well, ladies and gents, limited to 3,000 units like the one we've just covered. It includes a ridge slipcase with new artwork from Graham Humphreys, a 40-page perfect bound booklet featuring The Bolognese Dead, a look back at Puppy Avati's Zedder by Chloe Lee Taylor, Nuclear Faith, Science, Technology and Religion in Puppy Avati's Zedder by Francesco Massassiani, Screen and Scream again, unearthing Pepe Avati's mesmerising zombie feature Zedder by Andrew Graves. It has a E3 double-sided fold-out poster, a two-key transfer from an 185 one aspect ratio from the original negative. It's a high-definition Blu-ray and 1080p presentation with English 2.0 DTS HD MA audio and a 2.0 Italian DTS HD MA with newly translated English subtitles. There is a audio commentary with Asian cinema experts Kim Newman and Sean Hogan, with commentary with Italian genre experts Barry Forshaw and Eugenio Ercolani. The Avati Brothers, an interview with Antonio Avati, working with Avatis, an interview with Gabrielle Lavia. Northern Gothic, an interview with Puppy Avati, Dressing Terror, an interview with Steno Tonelli, the original Italian trailer, and a reversible sleeve with the classic poster artwork. Um, region for this one, it's region unlocked, so it's A, B and C, audio is DTS, HD, ME, mono, picture is 1080p, HD 1851, runtime is 1 hour and a half, and, sorry, 1 hour and 40 minutes, chopping 10 minutes off, bad boy. Language is English and Italian, and the subtitles are English. So three weeks' time, we'll be doing Zedder, the penultimate in this current release slate of the Italian collection. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. Wherever you're listening right now, subscribe. That way you get the shows as and when they drop, and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content. Do not stop there. Subscribe to our sister feed, The Teapot's Collective. Over there you get shows like Where to Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing the Nasty, and Chronicle as well. Subscribing to both feeds is the best way to support what I do under the stairs. You can, of course, if you want to, you know, just find all the shows at one place, visit our website, teapotscast.com. Links to everything I do, is there, as well as a special link to Jaws' Shite and other regrettable outbursts, a booze-based banter entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam vs. Evil. It is a show exclusive to that website, so you're all going to find it at teapotscast.com. Ladies and gents, if you want to interact with me on the Facebooks, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast will get you the podcast under the stairs. Facebook.com forward slash Teapots Cast gets you the Teapots Collective Facebook page. And for Jaws' Shite Bants, it's quite simply Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Regrettable Pod. The podcast, Under the Stairs, can also be engaged on the twin prongs of social media. Sexness, Instagram and Twitter both can be accessed by doing a little at Teapots Cast. And there you're going to get the sexy voice of myself and the Baz over there to steer you, guide you and like your comments. The podcast understairs returns tomorrow with the aforementioned Baz for Baz's Backdoor Cinema episode number 5. We are getting down and dirty with Alex Garland's new E24 horror outing, Men. 
So until then, wherever you are, what the time zone is, and what you're up to in this big bad world of virus, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. <laughs>